Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. We are back. We always love to hear from you. That number is 49216216. Cheryl Shaw and Dr. Kimberly Earl, welcome back, ladies. Thank you. Hello. Hello. We've got another big show. Kimberly, what are we looking at today? Some things to think about and what to do before you buy that new pet. Ah, so you can't just go out and go, I'm going to get this one. That's irresponsible. Spur of the moment decisions are never good. Cheryl, dogs and grass, they seem to come hand in hand quite often. Absolutely. But, you know, not just dogs eat grass. Cats also eat it, but not Mm. as regularly as what dogs do. Um, It's one of those really interesting things. No matter where you go, if you're taking your dog for a walk, they'll always try and find a patch of grass to eat. And they'll chew on it. And some dogs really prefer a different um, variety. They might like the kaikuyu or the cooch. They've all got a preference. But what they want, we really don't understand what what they're wanting to get out of the grass. There are many theories, or even let's call them old wives' tales, about why dogs are attracted to grass. And some of these myths include things like that the dog wants to vomit. Yeah, see, uh, that's what I thought. Yeah, that the dog may be unwell. And again, things like that they're lacking in their diet, it acts as a laxative, um, it has medicinal uh, properties, it rids parasites, um, used as roughage for omegas. The dog might even be anxious, so it it chews the grass, or obsessive-compulsive behaviour. And sometimes it's even um, related back to when they were wild dogs having to purge their food to give to their puppies but really we don't understand why there's no theory been proven of why they eat it they just seem to enjoy so cheryl sometimes they do vomit after eating grass but that's obviously not an every time no some dogs some dogs vomit and some dogs don't it's just interesting how um, some dogs eat obviously a lot of grass and that's a concern if they're eating a lot of grass Um, and but we do have to make sure that if we do think our dog is unwell that we get them to the vet because there could be something underlying and so it's really important would you agree with that you're getting the nod here from kimberly yeah it's a it's a real specific thing to your individual pet so my dog's a grazer she always eats grass it's a pretty normal thing she eats more of it after we've gone for a big walk i think sometimes she's just trying to get extra moisture out of it like particularly if we haven't had a big drink of water yet um but there are some dogs that eating grass for them is not normal and they will go and eat grass if they've got an upset stomach and people always say they oh you know my dog's vomited grass today my dog never vomits the grass Mm. she eats i always see it come out just in a normal formed stool but if your dog eats grass and then vomits that's probably telling you that there's something not quite right yeah yeah and another thing that we've got to consider when we are letting our dogs eat grass if they're eating somewhere that has been sprayed with chemicals mm. and, you know, herbicides, insecticides, these things can be really dangerous, and particularly if they're eating a, or consuming a lot of grass. Mm, so right. um, I think eating your grass in your own yard is probably the best way to go. That way you know that you're in control, that you're not upsetting the dog's tummy. They, they obviously know um, what they need to feel better because Gizmo is a grass eater. He <laughs> loves eating grass. So 99% of the time he'll eat it and he won't vomit, but he has eaten it before and vomited so it's almost like he knows when he wants when he does feel Mm. sick and he's using that as a way as well yeah Yeah, sometimes they do yeah it's very interesting just what which dogs do eat it i mean i had four dogs and only one of mine was a grazer Mm. the others you know just just watch and see what she was doing so yeah it's an interesting thing how they they work out whether they want to pick that salad bar or not Mm, there you go. Mm-hmm. And so, Kimberly, do you see many that come in uh, to the vets and that's been the only symptom is that they are eating a lot of grass and vomiting? 
Um, I wouldn't say I see a lot, but frequently owners will sort of say, well, I noticed that she vomited yesterday, and the first one was just, you know, had a bit of food and a bit of grass in it, and then often it becomes progressive, and as they've watched over the last 24, 48 hours, the dog has started to vomit things that, um, you know, it might be vomiting food or might be vomiting bile. Sometimes they've gotten to the point where they're not even holding down any water. So often eating grass and making themselves purge or contributing to, to making themselves purge might be an early sign that there's something going on in there and, and um, so that's why I always think if, if it's unusual for your dog yep. doesn't necessarily them. mean you need to rush them up to the vet every time they've had a single vomit but a single vomit that leads into a second vomit or a third vomit sure. probably definitely needs to be seen. Yeah. And Cheryl, you touched on before um, chemicals that we're spraying our lawn with. Now, a lot of them are advertised as not being harmful if, if our pets are on them or eat them. But yeah, you're saying, yes, I would be really, you know, really reading careful. those instructions or those labels really well. But, you know, you've got to remember that these chemicals can have, you know, a harmful effect on dogs and cats. So, yeah, I'd be very cautious with that. watching for chemical um, chemical burns, in fact, too. A lot of them, once they've sat and dried on the on the grass, aren't going to be sort of toxic to your dogs. The yep. mechanisms they work on, um, particularly the insecticides, the, the mechanisms they work on in insects is often quite different uh, to what... Um, you know, the physiological mechanisms are often not present in, in dogs and okay. cats. But the, if they're wet, if they're sprayed on and they're still wet, certainly we can see caustic burns. So you can see um, irritation in the mouth oh. and the gums and things like that. Yeah, okay. The lining of the intestinal tract, for sure. Yeah, all that mm. mucous membranes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dennis from Rutherford, your pooch has some uh, bad breath going on. Hi, Dennis. Yes, that's, co- that's correct. How are you? Thank you for taking the call. You're very welcome. So tell us a little bit about your dog. I have a female Pugalier. Yep. Uh, about three years, three years of age. Okay. Gorgeous little thing, but she has bad breath right. all the time. Now, okay. I've spoken to a vet some time ago. He's checked her teeth. He said she has a little bit of, she's had a couple of teeth removed, but we're giving her roughage, like different things to chew on for bones and all that. But it doesn't matter what we give her, she just seems to have bad breath all the time. Right, okay. And how long ago was the dental that she had? Uh, probably six, seven, eight months ago. Months ago, okay. And did the breath improve after that first dental or not so much? Well, a little bit, yes. Yep. So, uh, But I just thought, you know, maybe there's something else we could do. Yeah. We've been giving her pig's ears of late. Okay, yep. So what, one of the things that I would say is if she's a compliant little puggle ear, then I would look at seeing if she'll allow you to brush her teeth because that really makes a difference for a lot of dogs. Um, you need to have a pet-friendly toothpaste. They usually come in beef, chicken, or malt flavor. You can use any toothbrush, a nice soft kid's toothbrush probably in a puggle ear, or they do make um, sort of uh, specific dog ones, but I don't think that that's particularly important. Um, and if you can brush her teeth a couple times a week even... I mean, ideally daily, but even if you do it two to three times a week, that can really help with that um, breath because you're just trying to take off some of the surface bacteria. Bacteria is, is not a very um, fresh sort of thing. They, they make smells. They let release gases and they make smell. And that's probably coming, you know, what you're seeing coming from the mouth. Um, the other thing is that she may be getting little particles of food, little bits of the pig's ears stuck in between the teeth. And brushing will help to get those out because if you can imagine having a little um, rotting bit of pig's ear stuck in between your teeth, <laughs> 
that's not gonna, it's not a very nice picture, I know, but it may not be contributing very well. We do see some dogs that will have issues with their anal glands as well. And, and some dogs, um, you know, it's pretty normal for dogs to look at their backside to clean themselves up. But if you have a dog who's got really full anal glands and as they're cleaning themselves up, they're releasing a little bit of that, they can get quite chronic anal gland breath. And, um, oh. although that's not, it's not really a medical problem, it can be a problem for your own quality of life and can, um, can impact on that. So you could, um, you know, have her checked out by your vet and just see if she's got um, anal glands that are quite um, active. That That's something we, we occasionally have people who, um, you know, we'll look at flushing those anal glands or in, in some cases um, removing the anal glands if they're um, severely affected. Um, but I think brushing is a really good thing to do. There are some in-water treatments you can use. Um, they're variably successful. Some of them um, that are sort of green and minty flavored, the dogs don't tend to like that much. There is a, um, a, a variety that you can get which is a little bit um, more organic into the um, natural side and they come in a couple different flavors like peanut butter and Wagyu beef. I think they, those ones are only sold through veterinarians but you could ask What are they, them. Kimberly? They're an in-water additive. So you put them into the dog's drinking bowl um, and they can help to reduce the bacteria in the mouth. So the idea is that they're meant to sort of reduce the the bacterial numbers in the mouth. And if your dog won't let you brush your teeth, that would, his teeth might help. Because I was Mm. going to say before, being silly, can we just give them a Mentos? So that's almost (laughs) like a Mentos. It's kind of like a Mentos, yeah. I mean, I've tried a few different ones and there are some that are, you see them in pet shops and they're green and minty and and the dogs don't really like Mm. them very much. Um, we sell and, and lots of other vets would sell there's a particular brand that um, they have a very few different flavors Wagyu beef and peanut butter and, and blueberry and um, and the dogs tend to take them quite well okay and they're they're just meant to change the the environment in the mouth so the bacteria doesn't grow as well uh, and they can be really helpful so there's a few different All things right. you can try there Dennis yeah try some of that and yeah, see well, how thank, you go thank, thank you very much for that that's given me a lot to think about so now I can go and uh, try these little things you just said that's right and uh, we'll see what goes from there then thank you can you be giving your all. big pashes to your preach again <laughs> soon Dennis don't you worry uh, <laughs> not, not sure about that but <laughs> Plenty of that. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, one question, which may be ridiculous, because yeah. I know that dogs like smells that that they are often do. are really awful yeah. to us. Yeah. But do dogs identify bad breath in humans? I don't <laughs> like if know. We've got the bad breath. Do they think? Oh, gee, you but, should go brush. You know, obviously, their sense of smell is quite different. I know my dog. Given the chance, if there's anything dead, if there's a dead bird or a dead mouse, she comes mm. across on the trail. She immediately it, it's like, like an instant it. reaction. Roll and. Yeah. And rub it all over yes. yourself. And for them, that's really normal. That's a normal behavior for a dog. If you think about an instinctive behavior that they would do to cover up their own scent in a wild dog. Now, yes. my golden retriever is never going to be a wild dog. She wouldn't survive as a wild dog. But she still has that instinctive, you know, cover up my scent sort of behavior. So for them, bad breath isn't really an issue. But it is for us because we've got them in our house, in our houses, in our homes. They're sleeping on our beds. In some cases, they're sleeping, um, you know, on the lounges. And we really want to have that. It, it can really affect our relationship with our dog if they smell bad and if their breath smells bad. Mm. So I think it's um, a, a real concern. Yeah. Okay. Kimberly, we were talking about um, dogs and, and cats. Cheryl, you brought it up. We are talking about eating grass. Now, a lady's phoned in Donna and she said that she's got 13 cats. All of them 
eat grass yeah um and that they in fact need to eat grass is is that the case or is that more they just want to yeah i don't think i mean cats are obligate carnivores they don't have a requirement for eating grass um but they certainly like it particularly nice um fresh shoots um of grass they, they certainly do like it and many cats will eat grass without any um drama without any vomiting things like that you can buy little um, packets of cat grass that you can grow in a pot um and if you present a, a cat pretty much any cat with a nice fresh um pot of cat grass they'll they'll eat it down to the nubs you know oh, fairly wow. quickly they do like it sure, certainly they like it a lot so yeah well donna you better go out and buy 13 <laughs> pots that's a lot of kitty cats that want to eat grass that's impressive that's right. yeah. yeah absolutely uh look we're going to get onto your topic about what we need to do before we look at buying a pet but before we do that i think it's a good time to look at our dog of the week Sounds now good. really really excited about this because we now have videos of our dog of the week up on our website so for people at home who are in the market to get a, a new dog which you'll find out whether you meet those requirements <laughs> with Kimberly right. in a minute you can head to 2nurfm.com and you can actually click on more up the top and then click on dog of the week now this week we've got Rosie now she's a one and a half year old German Shepherd Mastiff so she's a mixed girl and she is a total sweetheart and you'll be able to see this um, via the video that's up there now she's sleek and tall girl but that just means there's more of her to love she's a big softy and she's also a lap dog you just want to have a big lap i think before she climbs on okay she's dog friendly child friendly she has been exposed to a cat with little reaction That's so good. yeah really good um she'll do well with an active family with o older children or teenagers to play with she loves her walks runs and she loves to spend the afternoon in the backyard playing with the kids so she's the perfect dog you know to exercise your kids yeah. maybe i should get her um, you know, so chasing the ball, that sort of thing. But she also loves a snuggle and a scratch on the belly so and, and hanging on your lap. So she'd be quite happy to do that as well. And as the video shows, she's super smart. She can sit, shake hands, drop, stay. Um, the kids have been teaching her and they're, they're even teaching her to touch her nose apparently. So I can't wait That's to cute. see that one. Yeah. So for more information, you can head to our website, 2NURFM.com and find out how you can give Rosie a forever home. But I have sort of fallen in love with her, so you better be quick. Mm. <laughs> Okay, so before we do go in and decide to adopt a pet or, yep. or go and get a pet, we need to make sure we're pet ready. Absolutely. So getting a new pet is never something that should be done on the spur of the moment because there's so many different things to take into consideration. And it's not just whether or not um, you have a suitable household for a pet, but it's do you have a suitable household for that pet? Because lots of people have a suitable family life, lifestyle, um, home environment for a pet, but it, not for every pet. Um, so it's really, really important that you think carefully about what is the right kind of pet for you. And pets, having pets is fantastic. They really enrich our life. But not every um, home is suitable for a staffy or not every home is suitable for a cat or a bird or a rabbit. And I think a lot of times people sort of go, well, everybody has pets. It's got to be pretty easy. But if you go into it not knowing what um, the requirements are for that particular pet, it can really lead you to set yourself up for failure so that you don't have a good experience with that pet. So if you're looking for a dog, the really important things would be um, what kind of a dog are you going to get? Have you got the appropriate amount of space for that dog? Are you going to have enough time to exercise that dog? What are the dogs, that particular breed's exercise requirements? I think we frequently see people who are disappointed because they have bought the wrong kind of dog for their home and their family and their lifestyle. Um, 
And the classic example is people who get Kelpies or Border Collies and they live in a suburban situation. um, And they like them because they're pretty and because they're a good size. They're not too big, not too little. Um, But you've got to understand where these dogs have come from. They're working dogs. They have huge exercise requirements. They are very intelligent dogs and you need to be able to keep them stimulated. And in a suburban situation, in a backyard where you're you know, thinking you're going to get away with um, a 15 or 20 minute walk once a day, you will be sorely disappointed. And that dog's quality of life will be pretty pretty poor and they will develop lots of problems. Which is really sad for the dog. It's very sad. Everybody goes into it with good intentions, but yes. it can turn out really, really badly. Uh, one, mm. one bugbear is I have heard before on numerous times people saying, I've got this dog because it's going to make me exercise more mm, oh, and yeah. that often does not happen and that's work. not right yeah. either. I mean it's the reason I haven't got a new dog. My, my dog's getting on and I'd really like to, I'm getting to the point where I'm sort of thinking about a new puppy but there's just no way I can fit a puppy into my life right now with the things that we, we do you know, with the family so I don't have enough time to exercise a puppy. I'm going to have to look for an alternative so I'm going to look probably at adopting an older dog go to you okay. know, Golden Retriever or Labrador Rescue and, and getting an older dog who won't have the same exercise requirements that a pup will. So the other things to be thinking about, particularly with dogs, um, what kind of uh, disease issues do these dogs have? Okay, If you are going to go and buy yourself a pug, but you're on a very limited budget, um, it's not going to be a good choice because a lot of those pugs are going to require surgery to fix their noses and their elongated soft palates. And that's going to run in the neighborhood of between 350 and $1,000 probably as a routine issue. Well, okay. So we really need to be thinking about what are the concerns that we're going to have. And, and in our practice, we've recently had somebody who um, loves um, bulldogs, little Australian bulldogs, mm. but didn't understand the issues that they have in terms of their squashy faces and, and all the health implications of that. Okay. And she loves her dog, and, and fortunately she is um, you know, financially able to take care of it. But she has a dog who's very severely affected with breathing problems. She didn't understand, was not aware of it, and how severe it is and it can be a real issue um, and we'd hate to have to make a decision for euthanasia for that dog now in this case we're not going to have to but yeah. you know it is sometimes that's what it comes down to so can you afford the pet you're looking at um, do you understand what all the health issues and your pet might be p- perfectly happy perfectly healthy or it might be the one that gets the problem that yeah. you know, that's typical Kimberly where can we go to sort of do research on particular um, breeds of dogs is Google <laughs> a, yeah I think, I think this is an option where Google's not a bad starting point Um, I think looking at breed organizations if you've got a particular breed in mind go to the breed organization read about them um, read different articles but it's really helpful if you can pop into your local vet and say listen I've narrowed it down I want this breed or this breed or this breed can you tell me what are the common things that you see what kind of things do we have to look at doing to try to fix them should they come up and try to get um, I mean, nobody's going to give you a, a quote on, you know, if this happens, your dog, it'll cost this much. But at least you can start to get a bit of an idea. You know, are we talking that's a $200 fix or are we talking it's a $2,000 yeah. fix? Okay, yep. so that's really important. And so, Kimberly, once yep. again, when adopting or fostering, you want to yep. look at the crossbreeds and get an idea of what traits may be in, sure. in that dog? Yeah, and even, I mean, you look at a dog like Rosie and she's she looks like a fantastic dog, but she's a young dog and she's a large breed dog. So sure. they're saying she's good with children, but probably best to go to a home with, with all older children or teenagers, um, she's got three to five years of high, high energy requirements and she's an active dog. So the chance of, I mean, she's probably quite friendly with toddlers, but the chance of her knocking down your toddler is pretty high. You know, yeah. she won't do it out of out of meanness yes. just because she's big and she's boisterous. So, you know, think about those sorts of things. Have you got a big, you know, a big enough backyard? Is it fully fenced? You know, can you keep her um, when you're away at work? Have you got enough space to keep her entertained? You know, that kind of thing. Is there a dog park near? 
nearby that you can take them to. Absolutely. <laughs> now, one of the other things that I hear all the time, I only heard someone talking about it in the office the other day, and this also breaks my heart. When you have someone come in and say, you know, um, the neighbours are away or while they're at work, the dog won't shut up. It yeah. just keeps barking and barking. That's not the dog's fault, though. Like, that's obviously a, an environment not, that's not great. Or? Not always. So, I mean, we certainly see dogs that will have um, true medical anxiety problems, and, and one of the manifestations of that sometimes can be excessive barking. But sometimes it is just related to the fact that they're not getting enough stimulation, they're not getting enough exercise. Um, it, can be, it can be related to what else is going on in the neighbourhood. So my neighbourhood, we have we, we go through fits and spurts, but there, we have quite a lot of um, barking dogs in my neighbourhood, luckily not right next store to me um, but that can set off if you've got a reactive dog having a dog barking two blocks away that dog your dog can hear that quite loudly so that's still going to potentially be, be setting them off so, so it's okay if we're stimulating the pet while we're at home and making sure they exercise mm-hmm. okay and then and trying to leave kongs for them while we're away yeah. it is okay people have to work it's okay absolutely. for the dogs to be on their own during yeah, the day sure absolutely yeah it is I mean and we want to be teaching that from a young age when you get a young dog we want to be setting them up for success so that we're not holding them carrying them around never letting them out of our sight initially and then going oh well I've had you for six weeks now times have changed you have to get with the new program you yeah. got to set them up for that right and get them used to you know being on their own confidently and, and happily early on um, but that's something you can talk to your vet about too and, and dog trainers puppy preschool um, leaders things like that hello Tom from Fishing Point hi how are you going yeah really well you've got a question for Dr Kimberly Earl today yeah, we've got a, a great dog. He's a Labrador cross Kelpie yep. named Salty. And Jeez. he's a pretty energetic dog. He's pretty smart as well. Yep. I've got two kids too, a nine-year-old boy and an 11-year-old girl. So they're pretty energetic. So it matches up well. That's good, <laughs> yes. And we live... Um, and look, the problem with Salty is only one problem is that he um, tends to... Well, obviously, it's boredom. We, can, we know that. Mm-hmm. We know how to solve it. He, Every now and then he'll dig under the fence to get out and go explore. Or even, we're we're lucky enough we live on the water, the kids will be down playing with him and playing their kid games, you know, and and we'll all be down there. Next thing you know, you're like, where's he gone? And he just, he's off. And (laughs) I think he just follows his nose and doesn't stop, you know. But the problem is, is I just don't, you know, I'd hate for him to get hit by a car or something Something like that. that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a tricky thing. I mean, recall tra- training recalls in dogs is um, certainly one of the most important things, but it is one of the challenging things because you have to sort of break the dog's instinct, not break the dog's instinct, but you're, you're training against the instinct to, I want to follow my nose and go and do what I want to do, and you've got to try to get them to come back to you. Um, mm. And so we've got to have something more enticing with us. There's got to be something that the dog wants more than being out on its own. So um, positive reinforcement training, a lot of work training them to come back, um, you know, often with treats and play and things like that, depending on what your dog's um, preferred rewards oh, are, love, is really is really worthwhile. Um, I think uh, in a backyard situation, when you've got a dog who's digging out of the backyard or digging out of the garden, um, you want to give those dogs, and it's a Kelpie, so they really are very clever, intelligent dogs, but we do want to try mm. to give them some work to do, give them a job. And so the easiest way we do that, and we talk a lot about making them work for their food, um, stop feeding out of a food bowl and make them work for their food with a feeding Kong, a Buster Cube, um, Kong Wobblers. There's a whole range of different feeding devices you can use. You can even, um, you know, just scatter feed on the lawn or, or hide your dog's food. 
um, you know, around the yard so that they, it doesn't need to take them a long time. So we're not trying to keep them busy for the entire day. But it seems to be that if you make them work for it, they get um, mental, some sort of a mental release out of that and it helps them to Mm. calm down. Um, So, you know, oftentimes in summer, you could do it in winter too, but um, I'll take an old ice cream container and freeze the dog's food into it. Um, Most dog food, like dry dog food, floats. So you kind of have to freeze it in two portions. So I'll put some water in, put the portion of food in, free, stick it in the freezer for a little while, and then I stick another yeah. you know, bit of water over top of it and free it, freeze it and put it out in the backyard. In the morning, when you head off to work, put that out. That's breakfast. It'll take him some time to get through it. He'll lick at it. He'll you know, good carry idea. it around. Um, yeah. And it might take 45 minutes or so for him to get the food out of there. But it'll give him that mental sense of accomplishment that he's done something. He's had to work for the food. And that's yeah, yeah, the whole yeah, basis. Right. And it seems yeah. to be really helpful for these guys. So lots of different ways to do it. Freezing food into Kongs and um, using, you know, feeding cubes and feeding toys. Um, but for really intelligent dogs like Kelpie Crosses, we find that can be really, really helpful. And like I said, it doesn't need to en- entertain him for the entire day. But often you'll find if you just stop giving him the food out of a bowl and make him work for it, that it'll really sort of just help to calm him and give him that sense of accomplishment and he'll just be relaxed for the rest of the day. Not not 100% okay. guarantee, but it certainly seems no, no. to help. Yeah. What do you think, what are your thoughts about, um, like, we've got a pretty, like, like, what's great is our place, you know, he's in the lake swimming all the yes, time. Yes, yeah. send him off the jetty, jumps yeah. off the jetty, swims in, and all that's great. We're wondering if, is it, here's a crazy idea, <laughs> that we should get another dog so he's got somebody to hang out with. Please. Yeah. He's about four. Okay. It it can be good in many, many cases. So um, if he's a dog that you think he's confident and he likes to socialize with other dogs, I think it can be really great. You have to obviously pick um, the right dog. Um, And you want to be bringing a dog in who has similar level of energy activity, tolerance. Yeah. in in some cases it backfires because you have you bring the new dog in and the new dog Too is more, more naughty and now you have you know the new dog is teaching the old dog the bad habits but it is it is often um you know a good thing that that they'll entertain themselves and keep themselves busy um you know sometimes if you can take a dog if you can maybe foster a dog for a few weeks and see if they get on and and if it doesn't work out um have an option to maybe send them back because i think you know just meeting a dog once off it's going to be hard to see how they're going to react in your own environment but that's often a good way to do it oh look he's usually fine with other people's dogs you know yeah. he's, he's very it's, restless it's the new dog you don't know about so that's the tricky bit so mm. good luck with that thank you tom <laughs> now look we were talking before um we went to the break yeah. about um different pets and whether we're able to take them on what what to do before we get them yeah we've covered dogs but we haven't looked at other pets other pets yeah so um cats are relatively easy most people can look after cats pretty well they need food they need water they need a place but you need to have a think about are you going to have an inside cat or are you going to have an outside cat we would always recommend inside-only cats. Cats do not need to be let outside, and they certainly have longer lives if they're inside-only cats, but you need to start teaching them that right from the word go when you get them. Um, outside cats are a lot more prone to injuries um, from being hit by cars, attacked by dogs, attacked from other um, cats, and then, of course, there's the issue of, of them killing wildlife. So that's something to have a really good think about before you get them. Yeah, sure. Um, rabbits and guinea pigs and little pocket pets and little birds and things. A lot of people want to get 
their kids a pet. So it's very common um, around six, seven, eight, nine years of age. People say, I'd love to get the kids a pet. What should we do? Here's a rabbit. Rabbits are really easy. Um, please do your research. Rabbits are not easy. Rabbits are not take care of themselves. It's not a matter of just sticking some, some muesli mix in a bowl and see how they go. Rabbits have um, very high rates of dental disease. They often need regular dental maintenance. Often the food uh, that the pet shops and, and grocery stores are selling you is grossly inadequate for their good dental health. So rabbits are fantastic pets and they are litter trainable and they're very intelligent and they have lots of personalities. They do make really wonderful pets, but you need to know how to look after them properly and you will not get necessarily the right information just from a pet shop. So speak to somebody who knows about having rabbits and that will be really helpful for you as well. Some great advice as always. Cheryl Shaw, Dr. Kimberly Earl, that's just about us for today. Thanks. Thank, Thank you, you both for coming in. Thank you for our calls. Some really interesting stuff. I love that I'm always <laughs> learning on this show. It's a good thing, isn't it? It's, it's fun. Great. Yeah. We'll be back same time next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.